0: Bottom line up front. The FBI subpoenas the Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton over a bribery investigation while he leads the attack to overturn the 2020 election. Bill Barr suppressed publicity around investigations of Hunter Biden and a notorious Chinese energy company. And Aquarium Leaks publishes secrets of Russian psychological operations showing the Cold War never ended. I'm Eric Garland. After 20 years delivering intelligence to world leaders, a mobster owned by Russia took the White House, and I started giving daily intelligence briefs directly to the people. This is Game Theory Today, your source for global events, clear analysis, and appropriate profanity. Guys, it's time for some Game Theory. December 11th, 2020. We made it, guys. 40 more days. That's my general mood. Forty more days until Joe Biden, who has now won the 2020 election several hundred times, if you count all the existing lawsuits, despite the Krakens, takes office with a cadre of. Oh my God! actual professionals. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I have to break my normal demeanor for the podcast because I'm just so, so overcome with the boringness of the names of everyone that is in the cabinet is going to be in the executive branch. I mean, no, I'm serious. I've told my kids that despite the percentage of their life spent with Trump, but none of this is normal. So when I see a list of professionals who know how Washington works and can do things for the country, none of whom are professional poker players or radio shock jocks. I just get a little, not, not one runs off track betting in a casino in Las Vegas. None of them, not even the secretary of defense. I can live with that. Uh, so, I mean, who do we have taking over from the bizarre freak circus we've been subjected to for four long decades, I mean years. Um, Joe's chief of staff is going to be Ebola czar Ron Klein, who I believe was his chief of staff when he was vice president, but uh, headed up the pandemic response and made sure that it wasn't a bad thing. Um, all this, I'm skipping the main partner there, Kamala Harris, uh, former second biggest law enforcement officer in America as attorney general, Of California, and we got another one of those in the works here. Uh, You know, she's his main partner, and she's she she was receiving uh, top secret briefings uh, before he did, thanks to the General Services Administration uh, giving him a hard time about being uh, president elect and all that. So, she's the main the main partner and asset over there, and it's pretty cool. Uh, You know, was it uh, Truman who said uh, being vice president isn't worth a bucket of warm spit? Well, I know in the Obama administration with Biden that wasn't true, and I am very certain that that's not true here either for good reasons. So, so we got Kamalan, you've got his his uh, his main man Ron Klein there, National Security Advisor, n- not a uh, a paid agent of the Turkish dictator, nor uh, compromised by Russia. So that's fun. Jake Sullivan, uh, who I believe is the youngest National Security Advisor, and yet extremely. Uh, experienced and uh, looks like a total pro right there. Uh, Domestic Policy Counsel, Dr. Susan Rice, who was Obama's national security advisor for time. Um, You've got at the Office of Management and Budget, Neera Tandon, who ran the Center for American Progress. Uh, The John Podesta-founded Think Tank there, a woman whose name was strapped to mine because she had the... uh, um, unfortunate luck of uh, finding my thread four years ago today on Twitter. uh, It's time for some game theory and said, hey, this is really great and was uh, the target of the alt-left for many years after. Turns out she's a a very experienced Washington executive and uh, will be running one of the most important offices there the checkbook, Office of Management and Budget and one of the things that set me off four years ago today was I was calling to D.C. going, who's an OMB? And nobody was at OMB. It's like they didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, They they had to Wikipedia it. Instead of that being one of the first jobs that everyone's clamoring for, you know, arranging the money to go places. Trump didn't have one for weeks. Joe, boom, boom. Got Neera Tanden in there. She knows her way around the streets. She's not lumbering down from South Philly or Atlantic City or... Staten Island or something, nothing wrong with those places, but you take my meaning. She knows, uh, she knows how to get from Connecticut Ave to Wisconsin Ave and onto I-66 West. If she has to, that kind of thing, uh, secretary of defense, general Lloyd Austin, U S Marine Corps retired our second Marine four-star in a row and a, a formidable leader, uh, Retired after 41 years in service and from 2013 to 2016 under Obama was head of U.S. Central Command, a key position, and is a great choice for that. So not one of them owns a a second tier arena football team. I just don't even know what to do with myself. I can get over it, though. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, uh, who the most interesting thing I could come up with on that guy... Um, was not grandfather helped run the Philly drug rackets with little Nicky Scarfo, but apparently explained diplomacy on Sesame Street one time. That's, that's fun. And that's like the most colorful thing about his, uh, his resume I can find. Which just makes me, that's so good. We're meant to be boring people running this stuff. Um, and he was deputy national security advisor during the Obama administration. Ah, uh, the director of national intelligence was someone I had never heard of. Was not, doesn't, did not have a radio show or a podcast with MMA fighters or anything. Avril Haines, uh, she was Obama's principal deputy national security advisor and deputy director of the CIA. Um, she worked for Biden when he was chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and she would be the first woman to head national intelligence. So. Uh, that's very reassuring after the problems we've had with Ratcliffe, uh, you know, who used to be law partners with uh, registered foreign agent John Ashcroft and et al., and uh, Rick Grinnell, who I never really want to think of ever again. Uh, Secretary of DHS Alejandro Mayorkas, uh who was Deputy Secretary of Department of Homeland Security during Obama's second term, uh, the first Latino to occupy this term, and given. Everything that's gone down at the southern border, it's certainly not the only thing that uh, DHS covers. And one of the major sins of the Obama administration was pretending like everything was about Mexico and build the wall. Um, and nevertheless, that's a very important border. And our relations with uh, you know, our own Latino community that comes from those countries, uh, they could be in better, uh, better shape. And there's going to be a lot of stuff going down in, in Mexico. Uh, as the cartels come, carteles come under, under pressure. So, just sounds great. Uh, at Health and Human Services, given the, <laughs> this is a very interesting pick, guys. Um, Xavier Becerra, I think it's a hard C. Attorney General of California. So, remember, we had Michael Caputo, a literal Kremlin employee over there, screwing around with the numbers on covid as we have a 9-11 per day number of Americans dying of this disease a few months later. They moved earlier this year that scumbag Kremlin employee into massaging the numbers and the public perception at HHS. Behind him was Alex Azar and just a whole host of problems there. Uh, And we've got a prosecutor who's going to be in charge over there the second biggest prosecutor outside of the Attorney General of the United States, AG of California, just like Kamala. Very interesting. So the team that is that is uh, that that is forming up there are just straight-up extremely orthodox professionals who are going to have a really tough challenge fixing the damage and hopefully uh, moving on to new initiatives. It's... Uh, and it's good to see people of that caliber. There, there are plenty of them. When people were so afraid of, oh, he's going to blow up the entire government. It's never going to come back. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I lived in D.C. for 12 years. I happen to live in St. Louis now. I'll probably be back in D.C. Uh, sooner rather than later. And once you, once you get the uh, dorky stink, the musk. The wonky Musk of DC on you. People tend not to go anywhere after that. Um, so when they disbanded all these people from the the State Department and were chasing out people and putting in dudes who did run off track betting parlors and Kino parlors, uh, you know, into critical um, SES positions in the government, I'm like, well, hold hold on. Don't forget the the people who can do those jobs. They're not going back to Nebraska. They can't go back to Tulsa. They won't go back to Rutland, Vermont it won't work. I know. I checked. Um, so they're probably going to stay in the D.C. area. And uh, so that's, you know, we're seeing an influx of of really talented people, even if they may not have been in the job of their, their dreams uh, in the government in the last four years. that That's actually a very normal cycle that you've got uh, when your political party that you've kind of worked with most as a political appointee, gets in, then you're doing those jobs. And when you go out, you work in think tanks, you do some gigs at local universities, um, you know, or or other positions, depending, uh, in the private sector. Uh, civil servants, of course, tend to stay there their whole career. Uh, and that's the ebb and flow of the government. And uh, this is very normal to be out of power for two, four years and to find yourself Back in, and look, the talent's just uh, just waiting there, and there's some recognizable names and some that aren't, but uh, who were just in positions most people don't have to care about. I don't ever want anybody to have to be making jokes or, or statements of heroism about the director of national intelligence. Um, four years after uh, game theory became popular and took my account on Twitter from 5,000 people to lots, i just like to say that the sign that people needed uh, intelligence analysts to interpret the news was a sign of an enormous crisis. I hope never happens again. <laughs> I hope that the people in these jobs are, you know, basically forgotten by the average American person because they're they're busy working with other similarly dorky people in the in the caverns, getting the real work done. That uh, you you should be able to, as American citizens, go on with your bowling alley or bakery or whatever. So hopefully, this is. Uh, The Trump years will be colorful, insane, criminal years that uh, result in many, many decades of of prison and lots of illustrations for history books in the future, and that we never do it again. On the other team, you have flat-out sedition. The GOP is all in trying to unelect the election voting thing. That, I mean, look, you know, Joe Biden's over 80 million votes. He's also got the uh, the the electoral college. It's not really close, but um, it's a you know here's a a a, a theme for a, a longer uh, maybe bonus podcast about about what the GOP really has become because it's not conservative. And I'm looking forward to the return of a conservative party, by the way. And I think we'll have one. I think the GOP is going to disappear. I said it. I think they're going to be gone. There have been too many crimes committed. And, uh, hey, the, we had wigs once upon a time, and then we didn't. We don't need any particular party. The way we're set up, we do need two parties. Um, but we don't need the GOP. There's plenty of real conservatives out there, just like there are real professionals that were able to come back after Biden. I know there's tons of real conservatives who would love to man a party like that. Would I be surprised if the Lincoln Project was really a, an embryonic version of just that? I would not be surprised. Um, meanwhile, these are the jabonis we got. And, man, uh, they are acting like a cult in its last days uh, with some potentially extreme responses. That's what uh, the FBI's Frank Figliuzzi is worried about. That this looks a little too much like a cult at the end of its days. But uh, the way I put it is, uh, you know, I don't know about all that cult stuff, but I do know that these guys are acting like there's high-def video of them with goats doing things. And uh, not only that, the goats are pressing charges. The walls are closing in. I mean, you got Rudy Giuliani rolling around, hiring models off of websites to act like angry and drunken voters in, in Michigan. He's giving speeches next to dildo shops. Normally that would be a good flourish in all caps or something to be funny online, but that's a literal thing, you know, between the dildo shop and the crematorium so or as I call it the Dildosburg address hey it was in Pennsylvania and now um, we're down to just uh, Dadaist I mean Salvador Dali couldn't paint this stuff Texas is suing Pennsylvania I gather there's a uh, a lawsuit with New Nevada which isn't a state suing other states that are and the whole thing's ungainly and we've got real stuff to discuss. And with that, it is time for the PDB, the profanity daily brief. Our top story, the FBI subpoenas Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton over bribery charges. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is most known for the current lawsuit, State of Texas versus commonwealth of pennsylvania et al uh the et al being a bunch of other u.s states that have the sovereignty under the 10th amendment to uh um anyways it asked the supreme court to discard the 10th amendment of the constitution and democracy and logic and unvote the guy who's not the trump because maybe they need a pardon i just i'm sorry texas v pennsylvania i guess um I mean, it doesn't stand a a better chance uh, than the last 55 Krakens, I suppose. By the way, the lifespan of a Kraken is now 0.09 Scaramucci's, who, for those of you who know the metric system, and get that joke. Anyhow, according to Courthouse News, which is my, again, my favorite news outlet because it features this thing called The News, so shout out... uh, To Brandy Buchman, my man Adam Klassfeld has gone on to law and crime. Still check him out. Megan Minero. And everybody everybody at Courthouse News, they're good. They do the news. Love those guys. Um, According to Courthouse News, sources confirmed Thursday that the FBI has subpoenaed Republican Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton after his senior staff revolted and reported him for alleged corruption, bribery, and abuse of office for investigating the enemies of campaign donor and Austin real estate investor Nate Paul. Three sources told the Austin American statesman and ABC affiliate KVUE that federal agents delivered at least one subpoena to Paxson's office on Wednesday in Austin. The FBI declined to comment on the report Thursday. That's typical. The agency has yet to publicly acknowledge an investigation into Paxson is taking place. Paxton's office could not be re- reached for a comment after office hours on Thursday, according to Courthouse News. Seven of Paxton's senior staff asked for the federal investigation of Paxton uh, after he had appointed Houston attorney Brandon Kammack as a special outside prosecutor for the Paul investigation. Then the staff mutinied after Kamek had a Travis County grand jury subpoena Paul's creditors in September. The lawsuit claims that Kamek issued 39 subpoenas, that were designed to harass law enforcement and federal prosecutors that were looking into Paul and his businesses. 39 subpoenas designed to harass law enforcement and federal prosecutors looking into Paul and his business. So I don't know. I've only ever had friendly FBI interviews. They've happened. Um, But if you like the magic of the unfriendly FBI interview, definitely... Do some frivolous lawsuits and try and subpoena federal prosecutors at the U.S. Attorney's Office. That's mwah, Italian chef fingers kiss. So good. Um, <laughs> you know, I haven't had enough pre-dawn raids from the FBI. I'm just like, I'm lonely. That's what I'd like. I don't have hobbies. I'd like the I'd like the FBI to keep me company. Let's harass the U.S. Attorney's Office. Great idea. Um <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I Sometimes I just have to stop. It's like, what are you people doing? <laughs> like You're doing the opposite of smart things. And maybe that's the GOATS issue. That once there's enough 4K high def footage that's done color correction, it's really vivid. It's totally your face. There's a GOAT. After that, you stop thinking. Even though you're an attorney and you're the, um, the, the number one law enforcement officer in a huge state. I don't know. But uh, this cat, uh, Paul's home and businesses were raided last year, uh, and he has yet to be criminally charged. I'll just say I did look into this uh, particular real estate investor, and, you know, there are are some questions. I'll just leave it at that for this podcast. The whistleblowers claim that Paxton used his official capacity to help Paul, that he pressured them to give Paul's lawyer state and federal records into the raids... Uh, They claim Paxton ordered the issuance of a non-binding advisory opinion that would stop some of Paul's real estate properties from being foreclosed on during the COVID-19 pandemic. And then we get to some stuff where Paul was asked to find a job for Paxton's mistress, who he admits to. Not that I don't really care about what you do at home, but, you know, that's pretty standard, gross, corruption-y stuff. But, okay, kids, here is where the story got wild for me. Paxton has been up for 99 years in prison due to criminal charges over state financial crimes since 2015. Okay, hold on here. How the fuck could the attorney general himself get elected with 99 years in prison hanging over his head? Look, I'm no Rick Wilson. I don't do campaign ads. I mean, I can think of, you know, gotcha questions and some stuff that might be scandalous. Uh, You know, but I'm no expert. You know, I don't know how to angle it uh, for the suburban security soccer moms between the ages of 34 and 36 and a half. That's that's the pros. They go down to the precinct. They know how to aim that stuff. Now they know how to, like, you know, get some targeting on social media, whatever, uh, start a group. But even to this guy, if the other guy has a century in prison over his head, which for most people is a life sentence most most attorney generals in texas being over the age of five so i mean even statistically there that's life okay so life in prison okay it's 2020 we just got to go with it but here's here is another courthouse news story august 4th 2015 texas attorney general Ken Paxton was booked at a Dallas area jail Monday as an indictment was unsealed, accusing him of felony securities charges that could send him to prison for life. Paxton, 53 of McKinney, turned himself in on Monday at the Collin County Jail. He is accused of fraudulently selling more than $100,000 in severgy stock to two investors in July 2011 without disclosing that he would be paid commissions on it. He also failed to disclose that he'd already been given 100,000 shares in the company and that he had not invested in the company himself, according to the indictment. Paxton was a member of the state house at the time. He later became a state senator and was elected attorney general last year. Um, Then there's the other bribery charge he's also facing from October 5th, 2017, a Dallas area district attorney confirmed Thursday that her office is investigating embattled Texas attorney Ken General uh, Ken Paxton for accepting a $100,000 gift from the leader of a company that was being investigated for Medicare fraud or Medicaid fraud. Pardon me. So I think we understand how this particular individual might be compromised and perhaps looking for a pardon from Trump, even though. Well, so when we commit state crimes. He's the attorney general. Maybe when you're Attorney General and you're committing all those state crimes and you somehow stay in office, maybe the chances of you being part of a federal grand jury go up. You know, especially since you're part of some operation to appoint a special prosecutor to send a bunch of subpoenas at the U.S. Attorney's Office, which they'll tend to notice. Given that there's 17 AGs around the country who are suing for Narnia to sue... You know, New Hampshire for voting a certain way. I mean, I just, you know, maybe they're all like him. I don't know. Some goats, some alpacas. Hard to know. But that's just another vignette in, in the kind of people that have been law enforcement officers and willing to come up with such ridiculous actions and statements and it's an embarrassment to this democracy that those people are in office though i suspect with this kind of desperation maybe they won't be for long our second story is bill barr attorney general of the united states for now suppresses publicity around cases involving hunter biden and CEFC, a notorious Chinese energy company. America had, for many months, been defending its precious brains against the propaganda operations trying to push Hunter Biden barisma as a theme, the butter emails of the 2020 election. Republicans went so far with Biden Burisma, Biden Burisma, to get bankrolled by Russian mob boss, Dmitry Firtash, who's wanted in the Northern District of Illinois, Uh, for felony charges as we speak. He's been hanging out in Austria. We've been talking about extraditing him. He's one of the top mob bosses in all of the the Russian mafia, tied directly to Semyon Mogilevich, the boss of all bosses. And that's who the Republicans have been getting bankrolled by when they send uh, Rudy out to Ukraine and whatnot, to work directly with Russian intelligence through Andrei Dirkatsch, And uh, to extort the new president of Ukraine in order to gin up a largely fake scandal about Joe Biden's son, Hunter, who is, to my knowledge, a grown adult who does not live with his father or run the Biden organization uh, that has been sued out of existence in New York State or anything like that, uh, for working with Ukrainian gas giant Budisma. Now, the irony of working with the Ukrainian branch of the Russian mafia to create an equivalence between Hunter Biden's dad, the one running for president, and Donald Trump, whose lawyer Michael Cohen was part of the Ukrainian branch of the Russian mafia in Brooklyn, is pretty intense. Uh, Far more ironic was the fact that Hunter Biden and Donald Trump shared a more relevant and upsetting characteristic during the campaign, ties to corrupt elements. In China. And that investigation, underway long before 2019 and election season, was never mentioned by Republicans, despite Hunter Biden's connections being far from top secret there. Perhaps this is related to the raw human intelligence of the Christopher Steele dossier on Trump, note I'm not saying Trump Russia anymore, that claimed with regards to Paul Manafort, Republican campaign team happy to have Russia as media bogeyman, To mask more extensive, corrupt business ties to China and other emerging countries. To mask more extensive, corrupt business ties to China and other emerging countries. Malaysia? Saudi? Other? Which suggests the, the question... Was the Biden-Burisma-Ukrainian affair really just masking the sheer number of U.S. politicians compromised by Chinese interests? The firm most at issue with Hunter Biden and the center of many scandals is CEFC, or China Huaxing Energy Company Limited. CEFC was expanding globally and an integral part of trying to acquire Rosneft, one of the jewels of Russia's fossil fuel business, the sale of which was promised to go partially to Donald Trump. You remember Carter Page screwing around in 2016? That's the deal he was screwing around with. That's CEFC, which Hunter Biden is connected to here. CEFC has had a significant relationship with the Czech Republic, which, by the way, I am not calling Czechia. I don't care what they say. It's Czech Republic. Czechia is just horrible. You should have asked English speakers first. Sorry, had to get that off my chest. Czech Republic the government of which has recently been pro-Russian and pro-Chinese. In September 2015, CEFC acquired stakes of multiple companies in Czech Republic, such as the brewery Pivovari Lobkowicz Group, airline travel service, travel agent Invia, the football club, you gotta have soccer in there, gotta have pro football, SK Slavia Prague, and real estate uh, assets in Prague, the building of the former... Jivnostenska Banka and Naplikobie Street, Le palais Art Hotel Prague, and others. And sure, there are connections to the Chinese triads here, which are, they're always bad. That's the mob in, uh, in China, and it's global. And uh, the accusations of money laundering to evade Iran sanctions. Everyone's doing it these days, kids, but they're never too hopeful for any company trying to get in the good graces of the U.S., But basically, once the ties of uh, CEFC Chairman uh, Ye Jiangming to the People's Liberation Army, i.e. the Chinese state itself, once those were connected to serious financial crimes, such as the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, charges uh, for Xi Ping or Patrick Ho in his scheme to bribe top officials uh, in Chad and Uganda, CEFC went bankrupt and its assets were sold off in 2018 all of which is very inconvenient for the son of a former vice president running for the highest office of the land. So here's what Wall Street Journal had to say about recent revelations about Biden and CEFC. Mr. Biden also did advisory work for China, CEFC Energy Co., as the company pursued deals in Europe and the Middle East. And in 2017, so this is after Trump is in, He was a shareholder in a venture with that Chinese company as it sought a foothold in the U.S. While the joint venture never got off the ground, a Senate Republican report in September alleged an entity linked to CEFC paid Mr. Biden's law firm millions of dollars for legal and advisory work. Around the time CEFC was trying to break into the U.S., its activity became a focus of a corruption case brought by the Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office, SDNY, which resulted in the 2018 conviction of a former Hong Kong official on charges that he bribed African officials to secure business benefits for CEFC. The company, which is now effectively defunct, wasn't charged in the U.S. corruption case. Mr. Biden is also a 10% shareholder in a Shanghai private equity firm and earlier sat on its board, though the board position was unpaid and he's among investors who haven't recouped their investment, say people with knowledge of the situation. Investment was 420 U.S. 100 sorry 420 thousand U.S. dollars for 10 percent of the firm, which owns stakes in several companies, most of them in China. So my question is, why did Bill Barr sit on this of all stories? I mean, clearly his escapades with John Durham show he's not above using the DOJ to shape the political narrative in an election year. The entire Republican Party went all in on tying Joe Biden to Ukraine. Why not China, where there were millions more dollars being exchanged with Mr. Biden and criminal charges were being filed with that entity? Perhaps it's because Hunter Biden is far from the worst in America when it comes to Chinese ties either. Our third story, Aquarium Leaks, publishes secret Russian manuals of the GRU showing how their PSYOPs have continued since the supposed end of the Cold War. Michael D. Weiss is one of the preeminent journalists covering Russia today. As Free Russia Foundation's Director of Special Investigations, Weiss obtained recent documents from the main Directorate of Russian Military Intelligence, the GRU. You. He talked about this project like 12-15 months ago, I was excited to hear about it, it got funded, and it's now out. It's very cool. Historic, even. The documents are from recent manuals about the GRU's Modern Psychological Warfare Program. In other words, the one they've been deploying on the world in recent years using mass media and social media. And the conclusions are stunning. Principally, that Russia does not see any difference between peace and war. That they're both part of the same initiative for the nation-state. It's just a question of when you are deploying explosives, blowing up buildings and people. In other words, Russia has been at war with the United States and NATO, and in fact the world, for the last century, with no breaks. The Berlin Wall was merely a time out, apparently. And for those of us studying this Russian military science for the first time, sometimes in real time while you're being targeted or watching everything else go on in the, in the news, uh, and certainly no doubt for the experienced students out there who've read about this before, still, these manuals are a revelation. If nothing else, they simply show how very organized and deliberate the production of propaganda is in Russia. They have schools for it. There are textbooks. They are updated and modernized. When you read from the pages of those manuals, the actions described in the Mueller report jump right out. This is why the intelligence community knew it was looking at Russian political warfare. It was literally by the book. So let's check out a sample from one of these manuals or where they teach uh, the young people who have joined up in the military in this very select... Uh, unit to, to train up to be part of the Psy War outfit. So from one of these manuals, part one, management of forces and means of psychological warfare and PSYOP. Now this first part's a bit dry, but that's kind of the point. Bear with me. Management of units and divisions of PSYOP consists of targeted activity of the relevant headquarters, Psy War governing bodies, the command of the PSYOP units and divisions in support of combat readiness, planning, and organization of combat application, management of PSYWAR forces and means in preparation and during the course of operations, battle, combat actions, and also in the daily activity of the armed forces. Management of the PSYOP units and divisions includes organization and carrying out of activities to increase support, combat readiness and and support, restore, their fighting capability. Continuous collection, study, and analysis of situational data. Taking decisions, assigning tasks to subordinates. Planning and organization of the implementation of combat assignments. Organization and supportive interaction. Organization and provision of comprehensive support. Organization of a management system. Oversight and provision of help. And a reminder here, these original documents are from within the last 10 years. This isn't 1968, 55, or 1981. This is for the Facebook era. These Russian military units have been using mass and social media in their ongoing war. And it is ongoing. Another quote here. Psychological warfare in peacetime is a component of the state's information policy, a form of information confrontation, and is a package of measures for emotional and psychological influence of military personnel and the population of foreign countries in the interests of performing the assignments made by the armed forces of the Russian Federation. And when they mean war, they mean eventually if they see their opening for traditional war, Psywar is there to create it. Another quote here. The purpose of Psywar in conditions of peace consists of forming and stimulating opinions, views, emotions, and behavior corresponding to the interests of Russia's national security through the means of emotional and psychological influence on military personnel and the population of foreign countries. Conducting war in peacetime is simultaneously preparation of the governing bodies and service units for psychological operations in a combat setting. Now, I want to back it up to all the tech bros who backed up, uh, who supported Snowden and Assange. And, oh, the U.S. government's dangerous. And when the Russian interference through uh, social media in particular came out. And all the experts were saying, this is an attack. It's not even espionage. This is warfare. And that got laughed at. Oh, it's, oh, this is, it's trolling. It's just, it's like, it's like digital marketing. Now, these are in the instructions for the military units of the Russian Federation, a nuclear armed state run by a dictator that targeted the United States for war many decades ago, and never stopped, and in fact, has been increasing in aggression. And many of our own, quote, tech people, experts, I don't know, I don't see a lot of expertise there, certainly no wisdom. Oh, it's just trolling. Yeah, well then, why do they have it as part of the military? And why are the targets not just our military personnel, but our civilians? Put all this in the context of the Trump era. Here's another quote. In domestic politics, introduction in the crisis areas of a state of emergency, tightening of the administrative and police regimen, increase in the activity of reactionary organizations and movements, persecution and ban of the activity of opposition parties and organizations, incitement of nationalist and chauvinist sentiments, Abolition or suspension of traditions and freedoms, harshening of censorship. Uh, doesn't that describe what Trump's been up to the second he hit office? Yeah, he wasn't speaking Russian. Neither was Steve Bannon. Neither, neither was Stephen Miller. But isn't that what they've tried to do? Provoking crisis in as many pl- places as possible. Trying to overturn elections. Uh, ginning up. Uh, you know, militias and uh, white nationalists getting rid of uh, freedoms, if at all possible. Um, this is literally out of the book from Russian intelligence. And we have a political party that went right along with it and implemented it from the White House on down. So you can go to f- uh, f- www.4freerussia.org. And uh, look for Aquarium Leaks Inside the GRU's Psychological Warfare Program. Came out the 7th of December, 2020. Give Michael D. Weiss a follow on Twitter. And uh, come to terms with the fact that uh, we've been at war with Russia the whole time. At least they've been at war with us. And now it's time for today in Criminal Doom, the segment where I read more or less randomly from the happiest website in the world, justice.gov slash USAO slash press releases. And um, it's a little less random here. There's stuff I want to get to. Justice.gov is getting spicier, people, every day. Now with more Rico. So let's get on it. And uh good news: Congress is trying to pass a law to make PACER-free. I pay through it through competitive futures, my consulting firm. Uh, but that's going to be a barrier for a lot of folks. And Hey, these are our courts. we already pay for them with taxes. I love this pacer free, meaning, uh, you're going to get the good news yourself and play at home. Follow me on Twitter at Eric Garland. I'll put up the links to this stuff uh, and you can go, uh, get the practice of reading indictments and, uh, plea deals and all that stuff. Uh, it's just another form of civics class where you get to cheer against bad guys. Uh, I mean, what's not to love? So that's good news for 2021. And in the meantime, a lot is going on. Big story, big story out of the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, priest and personal advisor to the Princess of Monaco faces 60 years over child sexual abuse media. Full disclosure, I spent a year working for the Prince of Monaco in 2009 on the future of the country, Monaco, 2029, uh, haven't been back much since. And there's, there's some news there. U.S. Attorney William M. McSwain announced today that William McCandless, 56, of Wilmington, Delaware, a former DeSales University priest, was charged by indictment with three counts of child pornography offenses. Specifically, McCandless was charged with possessing child pornography for importation into the United States, transporting child pornography in interstate and foreign commerce, and attempting to access with intent to view child pornography. Up until 2017, McCandless had served as the vicar of St. Charles Parish in Monte Carlo. The priest had, for some years, uh, been advisor to Her Most Serene Highness, Charlene of Monaco. From the indictment, While he was working overseas in Monaco, McCandless allegedly amassed a collection of thousands of images of child pornography, including what can be described as the torture of very young children, which he brought back with him to the United States when he returned in January 2017. Further, once back in the U.S., the defendant allegedly attempted to access similar images and also conducted internet searches for things like how to get off the grid, how to disappear, and how to erase items from the cloud. His attorney's December 3rd statement was ominous. Quote, there were some things going on regarding some things he found in Monaco relating to illegal activities that he found out about, Waldron said, refusing to go into specifics. The people that were performing these activities did not like the fact that he knew. Pretty ugly all around. Um, please notice that I, uh, that I use the term child sexual abuse media. Uh, pornography is also a category that um, applies to adult entertainment, uh, and I think they're very different. I like uh, child sexual abuse media as a more precise and horrid indicator of what that is. Uh, And there's sadly very much more to come from that. I think you have uh, a lot of international stuff, a lot of elites. Uh, When I saw that the other day, I thought, uh, here's an indictment that's not going to end just there. A big one, a big one busting the big game, man. In the Sovereign District, the Southern District of New York... Vorizakone, money launderer charged. Oh, we're under the Russian mob now. That's new. An indictment was unsealed that was charged the day before Trump's impeachment. It was just unsealed, but it was from fourth uh, of February, uh, twenty twenty. Thief-in-law's money launderer pleads guilty in Manhattan federal court. Daniel Daniel used fake vodka business to conceal the criminal proceeds of a powerful Vorizakone. The Shulaya Enterprise was an organized criminal group controlled by the Rajdin Shulaya, of Vore which is a Russian phrase translated roughly as Thief-in-Law, and which refers to high-level criminal figures from the Soviet Union who received tribute from other criminals and laypersons within the Vor's protection. They licensed criminal activity by others and resolve disputes between members, members of the criminal community. Shulaya and the Shulaya Enterprise engaged in widespread criminal activities, including the transportation and sale of stolen property, wire and bank fraud, illegal gambling operations, extortion of debtors to its gambling operation, and the use of false identification documents and counterfeit credit cards in order to illegally purchase merchandise. Shulaya operated the Shulaya Enterprise in and around the New York City area, including Manhattan and Brooklyn, as well as in other parts of the country, including Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and Southern Florida. Daniel facilitated the activities of the Shulaya Enterprise by conspiring with Shulaya and others to launder the proceeds of Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth no Elizabeth's in here, illicit activities in the Enterprise. Daniel assisted Shulaya in establishing a purported vodka import-export business referred to as Truport and related Truport Bank accounts that Daniel knew they were being used as fronts for laundering the criminal proceeds of the Shulaya. Enterprise. Hey, didn't Trump have a vodka business? Weird. Uh, as Shulaya's money laundering consultant, Daniel explained that Trumpart would provide a cover quote. So these are verbatim's where Shulaya obtained his money. Huh, we're going to launder money for you. Speak into the into the microphone for the FBI Title Three intercepts. <laughs> Advised Shulaya on the detail of fabricating documents to reflect non-existent corporate debt in order to falsely lower. Uh, Truppert's tax liability, non-existent corporate debt, fake bonds to get, get the mob out of trouble? Tell me more. <laughs> and described how this sham company and false documentation would allow the VOR to plausibly deny any potentially uh, potential money laundering allegations. What's so important here is that the Russian mafia, the VORI, rolled up control of the other organized crime activities in the United States, Getting at their money is critical and getting to them, not their front organizations or the other folks that they're running, but getting the VOR themselves is going to be a major hit against organized crime in America. Related to the VOR, Eastern District, New York, that's Brooklyn on over... Pure Armenian blood members charged with RICO, that's the Racketeer-Influenced Corrupt Organizations Act, Chapter 96, the happiest book in the 18 U.S. Code. Pure Armenian blood members and associates indicted for racketeering and fraud offenses. Coast-to-coast enterprise operated under the criminal patronage of a U.S.-based Vorizakone. Wow, it's like we're rolling up the Russian mob here. That's interesting. Audrey Strauss announced the unsealing of an indictment charging eight defendants with a variety of racketeering and fraud offenses. Of the eight defendants, Narek Mar- uh, Maruchin, Albert Maruchin, Mikhail he- uh, Yehoyan, David Yehoyan, Vahe Ho- uh, Hovan- Hovanisyan. sorry there, guys, uh, my Armenian is really rusty, are associated with a coast to coast racketeering enterprise known as Pure Armenian Blood, or PAB. You down with PAB? No, not at all. And they are charged with uh, United States versus Narek Marachan et al., the indictment, which has been assigned to U.S. District Judge Victor Marrero. This crew was also running money as a division, if you will, of the Vorizakoni. As alleged, Pure Armenian blood members enriched themselves and their criminal associates through a raft of fraudulent schemes that included years-long efforts to steal others' identities, falsify documents, and spend other people's money as if there were no consequences. Thanks to the remarkable efforts of our agency partners spearheaded by the FBI, members of this nationwide network of crime will now face serious consequences in the form of federal charges. The indictment is particularly interesting given the way that the FBI describes the structure of organized crime as revealed by the charges. FBI assistant uh, William F. Sweeney Jr. said the members of this enterprise acted as if they were in another time, much like fiefdoms operated in the Dark Ages, in which tributes were paid to protect fellow criminals and settle disputes between members under the benevolence of the vore. However, the actions we allege they've taken, like using electronic devices to steal people's identities, using fake credit cards and setting up fake lines of credit at U.S. banks, are all modern-day crimes. As a consequence, they now face modern justice. The reference to to feudalism explains in very simple terms what we mean by organized crime families or syndicates being rolled up by more powerful enterprises. You get to continue to operate, but you owe tributes. And this is what all those offshore LLCs are. So the right people get, quote, a taste, which I think a term Trump used about like some of the COVID production, you know, we're going to take over this country. Oh, no. I know it was TikTok. Well, we're going to buy TikTok and we're going to do a partnership with people. But, you know, they got to get a taste. It's like, can this guy, he just talked about the bookies yesterday. It's like, my 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 number's at the bookies. It With 97% to win the election. It's like, could you stop mobbing it up for like four seconds? But, you know, webbed feet, a bill, white feathers, quack. Anyhow. And, uh, you know, a, a couple of uh, crazier sounding indictments. In the District of New Jersey, Chinese man indicted for financing turtle trafficking ring. And I know that sounds like the pet store mob or something like that, but it turned out to be a a money laundering racket where you've got uh, rare turtles of different sorts and they'd send them to different parts of the country and have money transferred in different places. I mean, you never know what these guys can get up to in order to make money, launder money from other sources. And uh, I find that kind of thing very indicative of how deep they're getting into how clever these, these criminals are, uh, finding their ways to hide the second economy, which may be bigger than the one that, uh, we know about the first economy, the legit economy, the second economy full of crime and other horrible things. has a lot of money every year and you got to put it someplace, apparently turtles. And, uh, the, the, the last, uh, The last indictment that caught my eye, the District of New Mexico, Mescalero Apache Man, sentenced to federal prison for chainsaw attack. Because all that's left for 2020 is a weed whacker murder. We're getting there, people. And now it's question time from the Game Theory Today lounge, our private channel on Twitter, at Game Theory Today. You can sign up. On a private little channel at primosocial.com slash game theory today. Uh, and uh, no trolls, fun conversations, and you get to uh, ask questions and answers uh, in real time. And some of them end up on the podcast here. So, of our friends at Game Theory Today. First question is from This Is ARP What about those undelivered mail ballots? What about the funky vote in Kentucky? Seems like they should matter. Well, ARP, um, what about the undelivered mail ballots? Yes, there sure were a lot of issues there with Louis DeJoy sabotaging the mail intentionally. And uh, they all seem to be states uh, where there were like senatorial seats that were up for grabs, that were the places they got messed with hardest, like Northern New England, Susan Collins, or Texas... John Cornyn versus M.J. Hagar and places that uh, might be on the fence uh, for Joe Biden for the presidential, like Texas. And we know from Judge Sullivan in the District of D.C. that, uh, you know, the the courts were going after the U.S. Postal Service for messing around. And, uh, yeah, those investigations have not been concluded. But uh, to quote Robert S. Mueller III, it does not exonerate here uh it makes sense though you get joe in there and uh the vote was so big you know there's well except for new nevada and narnia suing virginia or whatever the hell's happening there's not really a question about he's he's the president right um so while bill Barr's in there they're probably not gonna do any deep dives into Donald Trump's serious crimes there assuming there are some I mean it don't look good on the post post office side so we only got five weeks left to see what happened uh through Joe Biden's attorney general and you already see Lindsey Graham saying oh well, we're not gonna we're not gonna confirm anybody who says they're gonna hold the president of the United States accountable to the law which sounds exactly what an innocent person is an innocent person says right um You know, you wait until that attorney general, who will be seated, you know, uh, to let those investigations take their course without the interference these these ding-dongs get up to. Um, And then I think we'll find out what happened. It kind of makes sense. You wouldn't want to get into too much there because then you give the Republican side, you know, the chances to cry foul, which they're already doing. And if you got any further into those prosecutions, it wouldn't do any better for that. You know, we have law-based elections. There's been interference, but there's been interference for hundreds of years. So um, definitely since the Emancipation Proclamation, (laughs) everyone down south will tell you that. So there may have been some very organized versions of uh, interference, and we'll see uh, going forward. So do I expect uh, that there might be a change in the Congress once we know? Yeah, actually, uh, actually, I kind of do. Um, and I think taking it slow on something like this is is the proper thing to do. But uh, what about those undelivered mail ballots? We may find out. Next question from Ralph Sercione, dry observer, our man. France has a approved human enhancement for her troops. Do you think I've rattled a few cages? Well, if you don't follow Ralph, you're missing out for one. And my boy is uh, probably the uh, you know, the most predictive futurist out there. He mentioned things way before they happen and they become quite pertinent. It's uh, I mean, I mean, if for nothing else just the hilarity of WhatsApp and Signal being included despite their uh secureness being included on all sorts of criminal indictments and the fun of cryptocurrencies being part of criminal indictments this is all really good stuff. Um but he's also talked about human enhancement, about how we got to, you know, get rid of like the meddling in the human body of uh, pollution and drugs that aren't as good as they could be. And he's been way out front saying there are opportunities for human enhancement that maybe people are ahead of. And look, just after China starts talking about creating super soldiers, I mean, they might be full of shit. I mean, these are people that, that you know, talk a bunch of smack about aircraft carriers that don't really work. But France comes out and says something, they mean it. And France is approved human enhancement for soldiers within certain ethical boundaries. They want to make sure they don't push over the limit of what makes one human, which is always in development, which is really fascinating statement. Um, So, I mean, that's a major milestone here. We're talking about, you know, we're just barely scooping up the mob and like sports betting and stupidity here. And all of a sudden some of the NATO countries are like, Hey, we're going to win the science fair. And one of those is going to be for, for super soldiers. That's kind of neat. Uh, where is Hansel? You just mentioned Russia going through something embarrassing. What did I miss? Oh, that would probably be the Doomsday Plane, which is like the shielded aircraft that like doesn't even have windows, so you can't be blinded by the the, the nuclear blast. The airplane that's designed to, to carry the president of Russia to where, from wherever to wherever during a nuclear conflict. Apparently, somebody got on the planes and stole a bunch of the radios. Now with these kinds of operations, they sound so much like special forces operations that this is a cover story for. It's really hard to know, but usually you don't put a story that sounds that embarrassing up if it's not probably more embarrassing than that. So it makes sense. Russia's losing the plot, and they apparently are losing their radios. Like the their 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 most prized airplane in the military is like some you know Nissan Sentra stuck in the airport parking lot for three months, and somebody just like. Takes the electronics out of it. I found it funny. Chopin's Heart says, Could Republicans like the Lincoln Project, Romney, Flake, and others have a convention? Absolutely. You know, the political parties we have now, yes, we have a two-party system, which we have since the days of of Jefferson and Hamilton. But, you know, the Federalists and the Democratic-Republicans no longer exist as parties. They were replaced and, and this was more frequent in the 19th century than it has been in recent years, but we don't need a Republican Party. We don't need a Democratic Party for that matter. We do need two parties, it seems, because that's how everything's set up to allocate uh, you know, the, the, the you know, c- uh, committees in Congress, if nothing else. Um, definitely don't need it for, uh, for the Supreme Court, and we don't really need it for the presidency, but we do need it for Congress. Um, so there's probably going to be two parties, at least, uh, going forward. Do we need the GOP? No, do I think the GOP is going to exist? Probably not. Why? I committed too many damn crimes, man. It's too much N- NRA money that was come from Russia. Too many things have been done, and I think the I think this next round with Biden administration coming out, uh, assuming that the AG has uh, in, you know independence, which I, is almost a, a virtual guarantee. Yeah, I think the GOP might cease to exist. But I don't think conservatives are going to, nor do I think they should. I don't mean the Trump cultists. Uh, you can spare me your desire not to believe in science to the point that you're willing to run around and get a bunch of people sick so they die. And Among you know, other treason-y things that I'm not interested in. But there's plenty of smart conservatives who just look, they're just not Bernie fans. They're just, they're going to go, uh, they're going to be sort of the the classic stand up upon the train of history and yell stop. You know, to get people to think about preserving traditions. I mean, real conservative thought. Of like, yes, I hear your social progress, but had you thought of it this way? That's a valuable thing in in politics, I think. You know, we are we have multipolar type thinking. We all Include different uh, points of view in our own in our own minds. What we express in a business context, in a family context, we're we're all complicated. I don't think there's ever going to be one body of political thought, and I think things will come down into schools. And uh, while liberal and conservative has become very tiresome as as labels, I think there is such a thing as as more liberal and more conservative. And you know, we need a conservative party. You know, we need coherence in that side of uh, that type of political thinking. And do I think the Lincoln Project is an embryonic version of that? Yes, I do. Uh, Do I think I could be voting for a Lincoln Party in 2024? Yes, I do. So there. And a very interesting question from Save America. Is Tish James, that's Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York State, is Tis James mob like every other New York politician? Well, there's a certain defamatory character there that even if, even if I thought so, I would say no. Um, but I want to get into the general the generalities of the question. That is, New York a very compromised place with with ample amounts of uh, of organized crime. Well, where do all the Scorsese films generally take place? Right, not The Irishman, or I forget if the I haven't seen The Irishman. I don't know if it's in Boston or Chicago or whatever. But um, outside of The Departed, which is uh, the, the, National, the National Museum of, of Horrible New England Accents uh, from New York actors, um, you know, aside from that one, which is clearly Boston, yeah, um, you know, most of these films are in New York. The exception of Casino, where the guys did a really, Joe Pesci does a really great uh, Chicago accent there. Back home, you know, the guy's there. Um, you know, most of these things are around New York. And, yeah, the place is mobbed up. And prior to nine eleven, this was really not a, <laughs> there, there was, you know, in the 70s and 80s, this was absolutely not a surprise to anyone. And the Democratic Party runs New York and is very mobbed up town. So, you know, a lot of people who've been hyper-partisanized here Um you know, they look, oh, well, this is a Democrat. Well, hold on. <laughs> there are plenty of cities and states where that may not, you know, be the uh, the ideal type of uh, political uh, ideology and, and policy formulating uh, system that you might be thinking. Uh, but anyhow, all I'll say is I did just see a picture of Tish James celebrating some event recently. I think it was recent. It was at El Caribe, the the mob headquarters owned, I believe by Michael Cohen's uncle. That's that's Trump's old attorney, Michael Cohen uh, at El Caribe, which was like the headquarters of the Russian mob. And Tish James was there. It was like the, the Federation of Italian American organizations or something like that. And look, I'm half Italian. So I can lean a little bit in that, that direction. I don't know. It seemed kind of mob to me, but Hey, uh, (laughs) these things, these networks have been in for a long, long time. And I still adhere to the old saying, uh, he who loves law or sausage never see either being made. It's going to take a while to get a lot of the malign influence networks under control. And you got to start. You know, every reform movement starts with some dirty folks. So I'm certainly not uh, saying anything particularly about Tish James. And, man, she's coming out and giving Facebook what for, taking out the NRA. She's doing some good stuff right there. But, uh, you know. As, uh, as far as the rest in New York, it's kind of notorious. That's question time. Hey, if you want to ask your own, go to at Game Theory Today on Twitter or to sign up www.primosocial.com slash Game Theory Today. And now it's time to wrap up with PamFam positive active measures. Remember, if Russian active measures are the things that tear a populace and a society down, positive active measures are there to build everything up. And that's what I like to end every episode of the Game Theory Today podcast with. The new Wonder Woman movie is coming out. Wonder Woman 1984. And uh, for people who know me, who've heard me drone on about this uh, at at, at nauseum, I love the first Wonder Woman. I've seen like a zillion times. I, I think it is the the single greatest movie about intelligence in pop culture next to James Bond, for for reasons I will bore bore your brain out <laughs> with, uh, because you know after the conflagration of of Austin Powers, you get the rehabilitation of uh films uh rogue one and uh even hamilton um you know that are making intel look cool again and uh then this one uh, you got uh steve trevor who's an amiable likable professional brave uh guy who manages to hook up with gal gadot so i guess what for us intelligence people we we don't get into pop culture (laughs) <laughs> reference is very easy so this is cool for us anyways I'm a huge Wonder Woman fan and I've been waiting for Wonder Woman 84 for a bunch of reasons and I noticed they kept kicking the date back and I, I think it's a great time and I knew that you know I trusted Patty Jenkins doing this stuff that it was going to be just as as meaningful as revisiting the 20th century was going to be in Wonder Woman 1 so uh, it seems that the new Wonder Woman 1984 covers some crazy, interesting themes for me. Anyhow, uh, it's got this mid-1980s context. And go back to, to me and my friends Lincoln Bible and Zev and Greg Oliar. We are talking about that period of time, the Iran-Contra, information age, consumer-driven economy, mass media. Um, that was a really pivotal, a pivotal time, and you got a real pivotal time for the Russians, And for organized crime and for technology, and all these things come together. And the first Wonder Woman took place in World War I, which is kind of the roots of a lot of modernity. And you can think of it as one long war. Well, this focuses on this other pivot point of the 80s. Find it fascinating. Um, You know, you've got the hangover from the early 20th century still shaping us through Western Greco Roman. DNA, which continues to be the basis of our culture and mythology, which I think Wonder Woman represents in those movies, Um, but you're moving forward, and uh, you get some new stuff that is, and shouldn't be, available in 1917, you got the specter of uh, of industrial and chemical warfare and stuff like that, but here you've got mind control, cults, subversion as a way to money and power, very Kremlin-y. Very modern, very interesting. And also America is the main war zone instead of Europe, right? which exemplifies the Cold War. And uh, I haven't seen the thing yet and it's coming out in a few days. I can't wait. This is just uh, this is just looking like exactly up up my alley. and if it's anywhere near as uplifting as the first movie, you guys gotta check it out. Uh, Patty Jenkins is apparently moving on to Star Wars. She released a little clip uh, yesterday that looked awesome. I didn't realize her her father was a fighter pilot and gave his life for this country in his service. Uh, and now she's turned around and given us new mythic heroes with a modern context. And for once in the movie, the intel guy gets to sleep with the hottest woman in the world. I'm sorry, that was shallow, but there's no shame in my game. It's true. I, I I appreciate Patty Jenkins for for the movie overall, but for that shallow part, just on behalf of my, my colleagues. Thank you. Um... Also, I just love the theme of uh, the purity of the idealism of her movie. And in the words of Alexander Vinman, Colonel Alexander Vindman, uh, who testified during the impeachment hearings, Here, right matters. And uh, echoing the words of my dear friend Anne Goertz in Paris, Salouin, uh, Diana says, Only love can truly heal the world. And that is a pretty Pam-Fam, positive active measures message. So thanks to all our sponsors and to check out more of me, see me on Twitter at Eric Garland, E-R-I-C-G-A-R-L-A-N-D and join uh, Game Theory today, primosocial.com Game Theory today. 40 more days, folks, until, until the Biden administration. Stay frosty.